When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On December 22, 2011, Randy Pierce and his service dog Quinn began their quest to hike all 48 of New Hampshire's 4,000-footers in a single winter season. I'm Randy Pierce. I'm a totally blind hiker. If I told you the numbers of people in New Hampshire that are blind, you'd be stunned. It's an invisible malady, because when people go blind, all too often, they hide. I had confidence that I would give my all, but I had no confidence that that was enough. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Backpacking Podcast. Jeremiah, we're back, buddy. Hey, we had a week off, man. I'm refreshed. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, I welcome you to the Backpacking Podcast. My good friend Jeremiah Jerome Stringer wearing the infamous Chick-fil-A t-shirt currently. Uh, <laughs> Jeremiah, is it true that you camped out at a Chick-fil-A overnight in 40-degree weather so that you could get a year of free Chick-fil-A? The rumors are true. The best part, free Chick-fil-A for a year, even though it expired February of 2021. The worst part? Laid in the cold, wet inside my tent and watched my team, UK, lose to South Carolina. You guys got used to that a lot this year, didn't you? Hey, man. Uh, word on the street uh, is Ohio State didn't do too hot. We made it to the tournament, though, didn't we? Made it to the tournament, but I don't think you made it through. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't make it through the first round. Uh, you know, we're not supposed to. We're not actually supposed to be that good, so that works out well for us. But anyways, so Jeremiah, tonight, tonight, we have like primo guests on tonight like that was a great video man i know i know and that's just the touch of of the story that we're going to hear about tonight listen to this we already got somebody up here doing roll tide seriously please oh um, come on come on um <laughs> seriously bro you can't drop base weight by trimming your beard come oh, on yeah. jeremiah i trimmed my beard yes that is that's also true <laughs> Anyways, so I just want to say that that tonight we've got a really cool couple guests with us. Uh, one who's been on the show before, a good friend of of the show, Justin Sylvester, and we've also got Randy Pierce on here. And the two of them uh, work together to hike all of the four thousand footers in New Hampshire. Yeah, extreme man. I mean, we're gonna forty eight summits, man. 
Yes. Hopefully we'll dive super deep into that tonight and, and hear the whole story and how it went and the inspiration behind it. But that is insane. How many thousand, I mean, how many hundreds of miles is 300 miles and over 80,000 feet? 88,000 feet, dude. That's, that's insane. Look at this. All things outdoors, I think sums it up best. I thought Justin was the baddest man in Hampshire. Then I saw four more feet with Randy. And we found out who the real bad man of New Hampshire is. That's what happened. <laughs> so with that said, let's welcome in our guests, Mr. Randy Pearson, Justin Sylvester. How's it going, guys? Good. How are you? Oh, going, man. Super stoked. Going great. Thanks Thanks for letting me join the three of you veterans here. <laughs> oh, we're just here for a good time, man. Last I checked, you did that in 2012, right? Yeah, 2011 into 12, the one winter, right? So that's what made it the, the more challenging part is we just had the, the three months to get it done. Wow. wow. That's yeah. crazy. So let's start with um, Justin. How did you and Randy uh, meet or hook up? Like whose idea was, it, was this? Um, we actually were introduced through a mutual hiker friend at the time. Uh-huh. Um, I had done a single season a few years before and met this person that introduced us. And then he ended up getting involved with Randy and he introduced the two of us. Wow. And, and then it. Randy, That's awesome. you just, uh, you just approached Justin. You're like, Hey man, I got this idea. Or how did that go down? So uh, our first peak together was Mike Mount Garfield. It was January 2nd. And you know, the real, the real trick to it is I just blew a mic- micro spike on the trail left it down and I'm hiking without the microspike and I'm slipping all over and hadn't figured out what was going on. And who was the young guy that had to go back and fetch it? Well, by the time he caught back up, he was like, no, no, I'll go back. Cause he's, you know, he's got so much energy and my, my guide dog's Labrador retriever. And apparently Justin has a little bit of retriever in him too. But by the time he caught back up, he's like, Hey, you know what? I think I could do a little bit of that guiding. And before we knew it, we were best friends because when you work together like that, I mean, it's just going to, you're going to bond, you're going to build a friendship. You're going to build a, a teamwork. Well, I know talking to Justin, he is a huge fan of yours. And after hearing you call him young man, I'm sure he's going to be a fan of yours for a long time. So we've, we've got a pretty good running joke going on about that. <laughs> that's that's wild. So, Randy, um, for the people that are just joining us uh, that may have missed this. So at age 22, I believe um, you had some medical issues and is neurological and lost 100% of your vision, right? So, uh, so 21 into 22, I spent, I spent my birthday losing my sight. Um, but you're absolutely right. And at first, that first time in the first two weeks, I lost all of the sight in my right eye and half of the sight in my left eye in those two weeks. And then it stopped. And then I was just legally blind. And I had a few years like that because it was quick and stopped. And then it was, it was 11 years later before I went totally blind. I had seven more episodes and I just closed in a little more. So I've been totally blind for now 20 plus years wow and i'm sure that was very scary at first but it seems like i mean you've you've tuned into something completely different like like was in the video Uh, a lot of people would let that get in the way but i mean you're running (laughs) marathons and doing tough mutters and hiking peaks and you know backpack it's insane so what what inspired you to go from just a normal, regular, I guess, teenager, young adult, and then you lose your sight, and then you're like, this isn't going to hold me back. How did that happen? You know, I think for any of us, when you when you hit challenge, adversity, whatever whatever format it arrives, we all, we're all going to face it. 
you always have two choices. You can quit, you can let it beat you, or you can grow. You can learn, you can become a little bit more, and that's when you overcome that. And the truth is adversity is really the catalyst for becoming something a little bit better if you don't quit. And obviously that was pretty tough adversity and I had that choice. And at first I responded badly, right? I was helpless and hopeless and I did feel like I won't do anything fun or important. But you know, the good news is even if you quit at first, you can always change your decision. You can always make a better decision, right? Even failure is temporary as long as you choose resiliency. And you know, the good news is all the good things began as soon as I changed my mindset. And so why wouldn't I just continue that through every stage, through every other challenge? And all those rewards keep coming. Now I, I embrace positive opportunity. I say, give me the adversity that I want, whether it's a mountain, right? That's positive adversity, that goal or whatever it is, because I know the experience is going to make me grow and I'm going to become something a little bit better if I choose the right response. So Randy, you you go around, you are a, a motivational speaker now. Now, were you doing this before the climb or this is this a result of that? So I was doing it a little bit before the climbing and, you know, obviously you, you take some things and it's going to give you some credibility, right? When people want you to speak, they want to think that, you know, what do you have? Are you, are you famous? Are you successful? Or are you a really good speaker? And if you don't have any, if you don't have all three of those to some extent, you're probably not going to, you're not going to go very far. So a little bit of each of those is what I was able to pull together to make it work. Wow. So Justin, you all hook up and you actually decide that you're going to, you're going to complete this challenge of bagging these peaks, these 4,000 footers and some well above 4,000 feet. What can you take us through some of the logistics and just what did that look like whenever you all went out on trail? Were you taking point? Were you, um, I think you mentioned before something about using the trekking pole to communicate so Justin, what, what did that look like? It looks like figure it out as it presented itself. Honestly. <laughs> That's great. Um, Randy had his dog, Quinn, the mighty Quinn. Um, but that pair right there is an extremely capable pair. So mm. it made everybody that was involved with guiding much easier because, I mean, as you can tell, Randy is not your average blind person, right? He just goes out and he does stuff. And so mm. it was just a matter of figuring out what the problems were and figuring them out together. Um, we had quite a few different methods of how we did that. And those methods changed as the terrain changed or as time schedules changed and all, all that stuff. Um, but the guiding was only part of like the logistics that you, that you talk about because, you know, when, when you're hiking with a blind person, you can't just say, Hey man, you know, be at the trail at six. I'll see you there. You know, I mean, there's gotta be someone else involved. You need a driver. Um, lots of times we were, scrambling to figure out hotels and how we could stay up there or where we were going to sleep and how we were going to eat and all that stuff. Um, so it was a lot more involved than just hiking because this was that whole winter was just a mission. It wasn't just broken down into a bunch of different hikes. I mean, cause once the hike was over, we had to go find a place to stay a lot of times and eat. We were making our own meals and staying in these cheap hotels and, you know, huddling around microwaved food that we had pre-made and doing everything we could to make this trip happen. So it was, it was a, a lot of logistics involved. Absolutely. That's amazing. I, I want to, I should have done this at the beginning and I didn't, but I want everybody to understand Randy, just how incredible you are, because I, I'm, I, I found this earlier today and I just want to put this out there. So, um, 
the honors, the, the accomplishments that you've had up to this point, you've earned your second degree karate black belt. You have uh, historic hiking accomplishments around the world from New Hampshire's White Mountains to the Andes in Peru to the summit of Kilimanjaro in Africa. You've won two national marathon championships. Uh, you've run an ever-growing number of marathons in several states and several ultra marathons. You've completed several Tough mutters. You were inducted as a fan into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. You co-authored your first book in 2018 with your wife, Tracy. You deliver hundreds of live motivational presentations to a total of over 96,000 school students. And your 2020 Vision Quest now has donated over one half million dollars to Vision Service Charities. Man, do you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, as soon as I, uh, as soon as I don't see the uh, the light anymore, that's when I'll that's when I'll take sleep. So, <laughs> no, the, the the truth is, you know, I think we all can do so many great things. We talk about reaching our peak potential, right? And I I take time to celebrate and enjoy life as hard as I work as well, right? And Justin will tell you that, right? I I love life. And that's one of the things he didn't talk about that was part of our system is, yeah, he, he does some guide work when we work that out. My guide dogs do it. But he also helps me share the experience, right? I come up across the summit. What do, what do people hike for often? The views. Well, I don't know what those views are, right? But I do when my friends break them down for me. We have all sorts of ways we do that. Now, I'm not just the selfish guy who's, who takes that. I try to give that as well. You know, there's plenty of times I'd be like, Justin, stop. Close your eyes. Tell me what you notice because my ears, my nose, and my my face is always feeling what's around me. And because you have sight, you're often distracted by that. And you miss out on a lot of things too, right? So I just understand that it's the whole experience of life. I'm living it deeply with my friends and for my friends at times too. I was going to say, like, just just from everything I've seen about you, we did a lot. I did a lot of research. Uh, I basically like Internet stalked you for the past few days. <laughs> um, but uh, I got online, just looked up everything I could just to kind of learn more about you as a person. And uh, honestly, man, uh, the one thing I've noticed is that you really care about people you care about. It, it's definitely um, I'm seeing Justin smile the whole time I'm saying this because he, this is, this must be true. And so I can only imagine, even though you can't see those sights, when you hear the excitement in other people's voices, when they see it, uh, I have a feeling that brings you joy. Am I oh, wrong sure. in saying that? No, you're, you're spot on. And people in the moment, when people are feeling it and experiencing it themselves, it's there in their voice. And so that's why being in the moment is so vital, right? And you can get that from, from a good YouTube video channel for sure. But you get it even more by by experiencing it and being there in the moment for sure. And you know, you said I care about people I care about, and that's true. But I hope I care about people because mm -hmm. there's there's something in everybody worth caring about. You just got to find a way to draw it out. Yeah, powerful, powerful stuff. Yeah. So you all decided to take on this challenge, and you had a three month window. And what? Why exactly? Can you tell us why exactly you all picked that three month window? And what was that all about? Sure. Justin, you want to take it? Or you want me to grab it? I'll let you grab that because you can describe yeah. it much, much better. So, you know, first off, when I started, it was 2010 and I founded my charity, 2020 Vision Quest. I was going to take 10 leisurely years to hike all 48 of those peaks. And I had started out and this guy came to me and said, you know, I see what you're doing and I think you're going to succeed. But I think you could do something very few people do, which is to do it in the winter. And, and to do it specifically in one winter, because footing is my biggest challenge. And footing will be easier. I'll have new challenges, 
but snow fills in all those crevices, twisty, rocky roots and gives me smoothness. So he said, if you try to do that, part of what you're trying to do is raise awareness. That will get people's attention because nobody's climbed them at all. And certainly nobody's climbed them blind in the winter or nobody's climbed them blind in one winter. So you'll, you'll get the attention for your charity that you're looking for. And then, you know, the, the very first hike, he said, I'd like to bring somebody along who, who might want to film it. Uh, are you open to that? And I'm like, sure, you know, whatever they they want to film, we'll see what happens from it. Because that's the way I want it to be, you know, just freelance. That person, Justin had never met, but he met her shortly after our first hike. And they're now <laughs> married and have a little girl. So what, what's it like being a matchmaker, man? Did you know that your hike was going to like change lives that directly? So they were the matchmakers, but the fun part is, you know, everybody thinks that's my movie. No, no, no. That's that's the love story happening behind the scenes that both of them were trying to hide from each other and like <laughs> trying to deny it all the way through until like the very final few hikes. Then it was starting to be clear that they were, you know, they were they were falling for each other pretty well, hard. You know, Randy, you can't see this right now, but Justin's face is bright red. And it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, that's a great so. story. You know, um, I was really afraid to let emotion take over and like get attached to somebody and not have it work out and compromise the mission. So, and Dina felt the same way. So both of us were very, very careful about how we approached that situation while this was going down. And like Randy said, once we were getting real close to the end, it was pretty obvious that there was something going on and we started to let our guard down a little bit and, it's just it's an awesome story Actually, that, that i have to correct him it was pretty obvious right away they were just trying to pretend to each other that it wasn't obvious <laughs> i didn't want to compromise the mission <laughs> justin uh, was being a good soldier if anything had happened you know i mean if we had made that connection clear and then anything had happened and that dissolved who knows what would have happened to that hiking mission and that's that's that was my main concern everything about that winter for me was tunnel vision and making and not making, but helping Randy achieve this goal. That was, once we made that decision, that this is what we're gonna try and do. That's all I did. I mean, I wasn't working, I nothing. I just I stopped doing everything and I focused on that goal. And it was awesome. It was just right. one heck of a winter. You mentioned mission uh, several times there. So if we can be a little bit more specific, what exactly did you consider to be your mission whenever you, started to uh like participate in this entire experience um for me the mission was to help randy finish the goal all 48 4, plus peak, peak, peaks in one winter that was my mission to help him complete his goal and that's all i wanted to do tunnel vision bam and for me the challenges to that are a couple of fold right so some of the longer harder hikes you have to be faster to get in and out you know, you're going to be starting before the sun rises. You're going to end in before, you know, after it sets. But you've got to still try to compress that window as much as possible, in part because the temperatures are going to get really crazy outside of those times, and in part because your risk factors are going to be higher. And when I hike with my guide dog, as much as I love that independence and freedom, I'm going to be slower because that's a nonverbal communication. And we're good and we can be efficient, but winter trails get narrow, or if you're breaking trail, it gets slow. So I needed to have human guides to pick up the pace in some sections at least. And we knew that. And not everybody can have the time to dedicate to getting out there like that. More human guides are better or you have to get your strength built up. You know, and you, you have the motto that you say, right? 
keep strong to hike long. And you have to get strong to keep strong. And we had to develop those skills as a guide because it's exhausting mentally to think about all the things you have to, to do as a guide. And, you know, I'm a little bit taller than Justin. If he is looking down at our feet to worry about the trail that he's trying to get me to navigate and he walks me into a branch, which happened a time or two, <laughs> Done it. right? There's a price to be paid. And, you know, if wow. you're 11 miles out on, you know, which, which could be a lot more hours than it seems in tough terrain, you don't want to have a bad gash and somebody, you know, injured. And more importantly, what if Justin gets injured? Can I get him out of there? Right. So yeah. all those things, we have to have that confidence that we can manage all that. That takes practice. Well, let me ask you this. Somebody asked a really good question. It kind of goes along with where you're at right now. And they, they want to know it's uh, outdoor essentials. What's the scariest moment during that goal? What was the scariest moment? You can so each answer if you've got separate answers, you can each answer that. Yeah, we probably each have separate answers for that. Um, so for for me, when Justin took a fall, right? You see the end of that video, and that was Mount Whiteface. It gets kind of steep, and Justin went sliding down on Mount Whiteface. And that point, I was worried because it, we weren't too far up. We'd have probably been able to work out. But that's when I realized if he was hurt, what are we going to do? And we had met plans. We talked about it. And I was pretty confident, one, that he's tough, but two, that we both have the skills that if I need to leave in there, my dog is going to be able to guide me out and, and get us get us to where I can then reach somebody. But hopefully we don't need that. I might even be able to carry him for little ways if we're not too deep. But when he took that fall, I was like, okay, this is when we're going to have to make all those plans start come to life, right? Because I want to be a problem solver, not a risk taker. And that was the moment where I'm like, okay, you're on. Now let's see. And then he had to get up and say, no, I'm fine. Yeah. So the protocol, if um, Justin got hurt, was to trust your guide dog to just see you through to your final destination or to backtrack to where you started? Depends on the situation. Where are we in the hike? Mm -hmm. What's his status? What's the weather conditions? What's the forecast? Right? All of those are factors. So each hike, each moment of the hike, there might be a different protocol. Sure. Okay, Justin, what what do you think that was the scariest moment while you all are achieving this goal? Um, the moment Randy mentioned um, kind of sticks out in my mind. It's not what I'm going to refer to, but that's when I realized that I need to wear traction gear more than I want. <laughs> I'm, I'm stubborn, and I do not like wearing traction gear. I'll bare boot it as long as I can, and that's what I was doing when that fall happened. I was bare booting, and I slid. It's, it's part of what happens. And realizing that in that blunt of a manner that serious things can happen to not just me, but the people that I'm with because I'm not wearing traction gear is stupid. So that was a scary moment for me. But honestly, the most scary moment for me, I think of the whole trip was right towards the end where we got a real good string of bad weather. And that bad weather was compromising the possibility of, our goal being completed. We had done mm -hmm. most of what we needed to do. And then we had a couple, couple hikes left that were up in the high peaks above elevation, above the tree line, way up at elevation. And we had some bad weather rolling in for a good straight, like two weeks. It was gnarly bad weather. And it was looking like it might be possible that because of that weather, we were not going to accomplish the goal that scared me. And it's like a helpless, scared, scared feeling. There's nothing you can do about it. 
because you're certainly not going to go up there in bad weather because bad things happen. I think we all know that. Yeah. Well, I know just the idea of doing those in the wintertime blows my mind. You know, I wouldn't have thought it would be easier on traction, but uh, that makes total sense. But I'm I'm thinking, man, that weather in New Hampshire. I've watched some of your videos, Justin. I know what it looks like, and you get crazy, man. Yeah, and real crazy. All forty-eight. I mean, I in one winter. That's the that's the impressive part. One winter. So so, Randy, how much training did you do to get ready for that? So not as much as I'd like. I'd done a lot of the summer hiking, so I was physically in good shape. My running started in part to get me in better shape for this sort of thing. That's really right. I was a hiker and running fell out of that. But each of the hikes was designed. You start with the shorter hikes and you start moving to the longer hikes so that the process was getting you ready for that. So that the end of it, right, really was the challenge. That's when we had the the 24-mile day to do the Bonds Traverse and the 16-mile the day in the Prezies where you're up above treeline for eight miles, hitting 27 degrees below zero with the wind chill for that whole run of it. And that was a pretty scary day, right? That was a scary day. But well, that what? was an extremely rewarding day as well. <laughs> isn't, that how, isn't that crazy how that works? Like the days that are the scariest, when you get done with them, they're you look the back on those and they're the absolute best ones. Every time, provided it doesn't get too scary. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Now, yes. what? Do, was it more? Share with us. Was it more of like a through hiking style, or how many times were you all splitting up after uh, a hike or an overnight or multiple nights? Like, what did that look like during the whole time frame? So typically, we would do three days in a row. And we would, it wasn't through hike because we weren't, we weren't camping out in the woods, mm-hmm. right? So that's, we always had a base that had some level of heat, which is, you know, reset, dry your gear if you need to. But three days in a row was designed so that sometimes you'd have trails that were broken out as a result if you targeted around the weekend a little bit and you have a little more likelihood of being some people out there. So it reduces some of those risks. So you tried to go, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, maybe maybe add Monday in there on a on a day that you're feeling strong. But I mean, four days of lots of elevation, lots of distance can wear you out. So you all were um, going, trying to stick to the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, possibly Monday, and you just had a certain number of weekends to do it in. And then you would go up, summit, and then come back to your base camp each night? Correct. Sometimes summiting, you know, two, three peaks, because some of those peaks you run on the ridge line if you can. Sure. Now, I am super, super curious, and I think a lot of other people are too, about your guide dog. Now, what what was your guide dog's name again? So the Mighty Quinn. The Mighty Quinn. Okay. So I am a dog lover myself, and I have two dogs that soon we will be taking to obedience training. And I just want to know, I, I'm fascinated, how how do you even, first of all, pick or discover or partner with a dog like Quinn, and then what are the steps that, that happen from, hey, I'm doing traditional training as a guide dog, something that could take me to a store or, you know, wherever to go get uh, XYZ, to now this dog is guiding me through the mountains. So where does it even start with finding, you know, your partner? Sure. You know, that answer's long. 
So I recommend the book see you at the summit, give you all those details, but I'm going to give you the quick version, which is that like everything, you do it in stages. You know, they train the dogs. There's there's 19 schools, or there were 19 schools in the country. I think there's a couple less than that, that provide guide dogs for people who are sight impaired. And that's part of what our charity does is we support one of those schools so that they can give people the guide dogs they need. Uh, I'm just about to enter that process. I'm without a guide dog right now. So in the next few months, I will get matched with a new one. And they don't train them for mountains. They train them for the work that you have to do every day. Sidewalks, right? How, how do you handle life? And it's our job as a handler to understand the skills. And that's what they give you. How to help your dog and you adapt it to whatever you may need that they think is within reason. So think about that within reason. Make sure that I work with the school and with the veterinarian staff that I'm never going to put my dog in a situation that's unsafe or unhealthy for him. And that's really important, including those cold weather days, right? Those were all discussed in advance with a vet to make sure we were doing the right things. Then you start out on, on easier paths and you see how he responds and we build up our communication. So he learns how he has to adjust his language because normally what he does is he steers me with a stiff harness. So I just follow where that harness goes, but he had to get much more detailed because trails are intricate. At least our twisty, rocky, rooty trails here in New Hampshire are. And the angle of his body tells me how I have to adjust my body because there's a rock sticking out and the subtle communication that doesn't develop quickly. And it doesn't develop without a few banged knees along the way, right? Or heads. or heads. And there's ways that I can adapt that to minimize that. And I do. And that's, you know, that's a part of the process. And I'm not the only one who does it. There's several people who are hiking with their guide dogs now. And, and there's some people doing some amazing stuff. You know, Bill Irwin did the Appalachian Trail with a guide dog back in, you know, I think 1990 is when he did that. Mm. And he wasn't even a hiker, right? So he just, he got on the trail and learned and relied on trail magic. But what that's not the recommended way. The The angle of your dog's body, how do you tell that? Do you still have the stiff harness or is you making physical contact? Or how? Yes. So the stiff harness goes to each side and hooks in on his shoulders. So when I'm holding that and he angles his body, it causes my hand to angle out. Okay. So when my hand angles out, I feel that. And I'm, I know, why did he do that angle? It's because there's something here. And I have a hiking stick, a trekking pole in my offhand, and I do a little wrist flip to tap what, what was that. And after we get good enough, I don't have to do that wrist flip because I know what it was by how he moved and how much he moved. And guide dogs, by the way, they're looking down at the trail and up all the time. And I want to give some perspective because, you know, we talked about how Justin had me hit my head once. And that's, you know, pretty good. Most of my friends, I hit my head a lot more than Justin does. But my guide dogs, even less. And what's amazing wow. about that is I'm 6'4", my guide dog's two feet tall, which means for most people, if you were doing that work, you'd be guiding somebody, what, 15 feet tall, 18 yeah. feet tall, right? And they're dodging my feet, which are the, you know, I know you got, you got big feet there yourself, but <laughs> for me, they're the size of a table coming down at my guide dog, right? And they're doing all that while keeping me from banging my shins, my knees, my head, and wagging their tail the whole time, which is what I want to see. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to throw this picture back. I threw a picture up while you were talking there for a second of uh, the two of you and the Mighty Quinn so people could see us up on Mount Washington on the summit. And uh, there's Quinn right there in the middle. Um, that's just awesome. I'm going to also post this picture up here, too, of your, your book, See You at the Summit. Um, if people are interested in looking that up, uh, uh, Justin sent me this picture today uh, just so that people could see what the book looks like. Now, where can people buy that, Randy? So on Amazon, it's in it's in paperback, ebook, and audio book, right? Got to do that. I got to have my peers able to read it too, right? There you go. I love the audio books. So besides the harness, 
No special equipment for Quinn, even in uh, the winter conditions? So, no, we did have special equipment. So, we had two different types oh, okay. of boots that we carried. One which w- he could feel his paws through it, which is called mm-hmm. paws. It was just to protect from sticking. Musher's wax, if you needed it. Um, a hard sole boot. He didn't like those, but if he ever needed them, they have like a Vibram sole, we had it. And the one thing we never needed, but always had in the pack were doggles, which are doggy goggles. Mm-hmm. So if there was ever ice being blown around above tree line, we got to protect his eyes too, right? Wow. That's that crazy. is that is insane. I love it. And I, I just want to throw in that Quinn was much like Randy, like just an exceptional example of who and what they are. Like as a as a guide dog, Quinn, from what I've seen in my little experience with guide dogs and wife, Quinn was exceptional. Like like Randy, just exceptional, blind and doing all these crazy things that most of us people would cite aren't bothering to do. And he's just an exceptional person, and he was paired with an exceptional dog, and that made an exceptional team. I mean, it's obvious you guys were quite the pair. Like, yeah. there's a, a lot of love there on both sides, it seems like. For sure. So what our world needs, you... right? More kindness. That's the truth, Randy. Yep. And I got to just... see it firsthand. It was awesome. You know, Randy would be going down the steep, steep technical stuff, and that dog would just be sitting there watching him watching every single little move and you could see his muscles quivering and you could almost see his brain working it was like nothing but randy was all that dog ever thought about in those situations and it was just incredible that's awesome incredible i mean to see a dog do math like randy said you know this, this dog is four feet shorter than randy and the dog is telling quinn is telling randy don't do that because you're going to smack your skull off of this tree branch. And what happened, Randy? Yep. You know, the way a guide dog works, it's something called intelligent disobedience. When we say go and they refuse, they're actually doing the right thing because until we tap whatever the obstacle is, they're not supposed to go. They want us to know that it's there. And probably the most brilliant thing he ever did on, on one of the hikes was we were at a step down because there was a big tree root that was that was jammed up and there's a lot of dirt and it's a big step down. And he stops there and I tap it with my foot and say, hop up. And he's still refusing because there was not only a tree root, there was also a tree branch, right? So there's two obstacles. He sees them both. I tap one. He's like, that's not good enough. You got to show me, you know, where both are, right? And it's that kind of work. That's just, it's hard for me to fathom. Same. Wow. It's incredible. Is incredible. Mike, Michael Peterson said, amazing. Can't imagine that much trust, that much intelligence from a dog. That's, that's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. So fun part about the, the intelligence and trust, when I switched from Quinn to a human guide, right? I started out with my hand on the backpack and I would lightly just have it on the pack so I could feel all the directions and changes in a person's shoulders to know where to go. Well, Quinn would let that happen, but he wasn't sure about it. And if the person wasn't doing a good job guiding, he would come over and nudge my leg like, nope, <laughs> I reject them, right? Oh, and, wow. And if you get the boot from Quinn, that's a bad sign. <laughs> but, that's great. Uh, Justin, did you get the boot? I never got it from it. No. Quinn loved him. I, I was an accepted member of the team. That's awesome. Hey, wow. Randy, somebody made a comment on here. I think it's great. They said, intelligent disobedience. I'm going to use that with my husband. <laughs> <laughs> that's smart. So I've, I've done some backpacking with David Gray. And, um, of course, he has his vision he brings his dogs just for fun and you know, they run around and play and they're not guiding him at all. But, uh, I was curious, Justin, what, whenever y'all set up these base camps, 
what kind of sleeping arrangements are y'all doing? Because David, he bought like a, a three-person tent, and he brings an extra pad for his dog and that kind of thing. Uh, we were, were we were strictly hotels, motels. And the camper. Okay. Camper, but camper. We'd go back to a camper a lot. You know, like Randy said earlier, heated places. We had heat. We had electricity. We had food. Um, we never did the camping thing. Okay. Um, think and i'll let randy explain you know because i did at one point say hey man let's do some camping let's crush some of these hills and do some camping and randy like it was very obvious to him it never even crossed my mind like think about camping in the winter time with a blind dude mm. like what kind of problems and logistics does that create and like okay good point you know um it's something that i never never even crossed my mind you know it's, that's one of the humbling things about Randy is because he just rolls with it. You know, a lot of times if you're spending your time with somebody that's impaired, you might be a little gun shy to say things or how to approach a situation or whatnot. And he always takes it in stride and just lets you know how it is and how it's going to be. And that's the way it is. How did that change you, Justin? How, like, in all honesty, I mean, I'm, I'm sure for Randy, this was an amazing adventure because of what he got to do and, and meeting you and obviously the relationship that happened in the marriage and all that kind of stuff. But, but for you, your outlook on, on people with handicaps, like, like blindness, what, what did, how did that change your, your view of that? It was an eye opener for sure, for sure. But the much more, he left a lot more impact on me and with people in general, like, I have a tendency to be black and white and say things that come across my mind and people think that I'm rude or cocky or arrogant. And, and maybe sometimes I am, but it's not the way I usually intend it. And I t- typically just roll with what comes into my mind. And his inspiration has taught me to slow down and think about things a little bit more and help me be a lot more tolerant with people. Um, I've told Randy many times, you know, and many, many other people, he's a serious inspiration to me. Like he's one of the most inspirational people I've ever met. And this is why. And maybe you've heard me say that. I I say, but, and, and this is why, you know, he's very just, he thinks about everything. And it gets, when you start spending a lot of time with people like that, or with someone like Randy, it gets you to thinking about things too, if you're paying attention. And he made me a lot more understanding and accepting of people in general, outside views, like all, just all this, all this stuff. He's very good at presenting the other side of the story and making you think about that. And you know, often when I get red, like my shirt, and angry and mad, you know, I sit down and seriously say to myself, <laughs> "What would Randy do?" Or sometimes I'll be on Facebook in, in a complete rage about something or whatnot because of social media. You know how that works. And I spend 15 minutes typing out this message, burning this dude's world down. And then I think to myself, after I spent all the time orchestrating this awesome message that's going to burn someone down, and I think, what would Randy think if he saw me, if he saw this message that I send out to this guy? You know, delete. I just spent half an hour writing out a message and I'll delete it because I the thought occurs to me, what would Randy do? And so his, his impact on my life has been just astronomical. Well, I know anyways, you and I first started chatting. It might've been like late 2019. We, we met on like Facebook or something. We started shooting messages back and forth and 
within 10 minutes you were talking about Randy. <laughs> I mean, it was like we didn't make it very far into the conversation before Randy came up. And then that was the rest of the conversation was, dude, we did this video and we did these 48 summits. And the guy that I hiked with blew my mind. I mean, Randy, I, I when he talks to you and he talks to you like he he has severe reverence for you, he means every second of it because when he talks to other people, you hear it there, too. So uh, I already knew before this interview was going to start that there was going to be a mad amount of respect going your way for sure. uh, just not just for the, not just for what you did with the 48 summits, but just the man that you are, because uh, just there are very few people in this world that, that ooze positivity towards other people the way Radiate you do. It. Yeah. Well, I, you know, obviously I'm, I'm very appreciative of that. It's hard, hard to take compliments sometimes, right? I appreciate the friendship and the, the approach, but I think when I lost my sight, it was really humbling in a couple of ways. And, you know, at 22, I'm on top of the world. I was, you know, a lot of things going for me. I just graduated from college, had a great job, very athletic, lots of things in my world. And maybe the difference between confidence and arrogance, maybe I crossed that line more than I should. But I got a dose of humble, and then I started because of my lack of sight, having to use other people's vision a little bit to understand the world around me. And I had to start understanding other people's perspectives, literally and figuratively. And there's a lot of power to that. When you start realizing that, you know, other people have reasons for why they think and why they see things, just what people notice tells you some things because different people notice all sorts of different things. That's the, the gift of when you hike with different people is I'm learning from each one of them what they're seeing and each is a different gift for me. But that's what people are, we're different. And so what I try to do, you know, in, in Justin's situation that he shares is just, you know, what do I want for the results for me and for the people around me? And reactions get in the way of that because reactions are emotional. And I love my emotions because that's how we have awe, that's how we have wonder. But how do I change my reactions from being negative? And that's just give them some time. You know, I, I say it's the ABC method, right? Awareness that I'm having an emotional surge in my response. B, so A is awareness. B is breathe because it slows me down and physiologically it calms me down. It takes me time to do it. And C, consider, what do I want to do? What do I want for a result? And that shapes it from an emotional reaction to a thoughtful response. And that's how we just get to interact better, think better for ourselves and for the people around us. Wow. Yeah, that, that's next level. Seriously, man. that's what I'm talking about, guys. I mean, this is, you know, he's he's got every reason in the world to, to probably be angry and bitter, and he just radiates positivity. It's incredibly inspiring. But, I mean, really I have bad days too, though, right? Like, I was ready to quit on one of our hikes, right? Justin doesn't tell the story that he had to talk me off a quitting, right? And it was so the person who I started hiking with, we had a falling out. It was a tough part, right? And He's on this hike, and it's pretty clear that things are over. We're kind of forcing it, and he's up ahead, and it's just a tough slog of a hike. The drop-off is to our right, and my guide dog is always to the left. So that's the hardest situation because how close am I to the drop-off? It's it's 19-mile Brook Trail. It's just a long stretch. And those guys are being held back, and there's a storm coming in. So if we don't do it quick, we're not going to make it. And I'm not actually responding as well as I should because there's a little anger going on between me and that other guy. And so there's a little silence, right? And communication never works with silence or violence. You got to have calm, candid conversation. And at a certain point, I was just like, you know what? I see I'm holding you up. And I was too maybe proud, stubborn, caught up in my emotions to say, hey, if we want to do this, I'm going to need a guide. That's the only way we're going to make up the time. 
And I certainly wasn't going to ask the guy I was mad at. And Justin hadn't done as much guiding yet. So I, I said, you go on. And if I miss this peak, well, I'll just have to deal with that. And Justin came back and he's like, no, you don't get to quit here. I'm going to guide you. We're going to get this together. And, you know, that's been the story of, of our life. So just understand, I'm not always the positive guy. I need to get picked up sometimes too. And I think that's an important lesson for all of us to realize. Yeah, I agree. I, I am, I'm curious. Um, Justin mentioned a few minutes ago that sometimes people are, you know, they know that you lost your vision and they maybe think that um, certain conversations or certain questions are taboo. Do you ever feel like that you have uh, like a sixth sense that somebody is feeling that way? And are there things that you think there's just an ambiance about you that eases that? Or do you use any tactics to make people feel more comfortable? So all of those answers, right? And, you know, I don't know whether it's sixth sense. I think people have cues that, that are tells. You know, you hear when somebody's awkward. And people are often uncomfortable when they encounter something they're not familiar with. You can mm -hmm. hear that. And unfortunately, the way people mostly respond to that is by being silent because then they go to observe as they try to figure a way. And usually that's a visual reaction for most people. But what I do is I, I know in advance that's likely. So when I encounter somebody that shows even the sign of that, I'll guess that that may be the case. And I'll use my tactics right up front, which is candor. I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm really comfortable with my blindness. So if there's something you want to know that'll help, Let's just talk about it because it'll make it easier. I'm really pretty comfortable. If you manage to stray to something that's not comfortable for me, I'll find a comfortable way to tell you that. I, I remember one time in during that winter, um, I, I'd never really had experience with blind people. So I just took what I guess everyone probably generalizes, right? And I'd known Randy for a little while at this point and started getting much more comfortable with him. And just, we were on a hike and I said, hey, Randy, if you want to touch my face to see what I look like, go for it. You know, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll allow you to do that. And, and I'm not a touchy feely, but I don't like it when people touch me. Right. So any, anyway, um, <laughs> Randy, he told, he told me that that was basically not real. I mean, maybe it is for other people, but for him, it wasn't. And if Randy wants to take over the story from here, please, please do. Well, yeah. I, I remember that situation and that kind of, ties into what Jeremiah is talking about. That could be a really uncomfortable situation. Absolutely. And right, what I what I need to do is say, hey, you know, I really appreciate that offer. It's it's not something that works for me. But the truth of the matter is, when I first went blind, I had all those stereotypes too, because I didn't know what a blind guy was supposed to do. And I remember I went to the library because they have like the statues of the presidents. And I said, I want to go feel those statues of the president to see because I don't know if I could do this. And I think I'm supposed to. And I felt them and I'm like, ah, this is ridiculous. This doesn't work at all. And, you know, some people aren't as polite as Justin was and don't offer. They literally just take my hand and put it on their face and say, feel. And I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, there's just, a better way to do this. <laughs> I'm just loving the inner monologue that you had to be having with yourself. Okay, so now I'm blind. I got to do what blind people do. And blind people touch faces. So I need to start touching faces. Like, I can't imagine the... Th I don't even think like I don't even think like that. I don't think in terms of like okay, now I'm blind. What do I do? Like, of course you're gonna think that, but I would never personally be like. I bet when he first went blind, the first thing he thought was, "I gotta learn braille and I gotta see people's faces by touching their faces." You know, I never tell him. I the wouldn't think of that story. So this, yeah, you know, I use this story toothpaste. in schools all the time. It's problem solving, right? It's how you change the mindset. 
But one of the first problems, when I first lost my, my vision totally, I was out at guide school. I was in Oregon training for my first guide dog. And, you know, I go to bed that first night having lost all my vision. And there comes a point where you have to do something you've done with sight all your life. And for me, was brush my teeth. And how much toothpaste is coming out? And is it going on your toothbrush? That's something you take for granted. And now, I, even with bad vision, I'd, I'd still used to look. And now I'm like, okay. So I line up my fingers on each side and I like squeeze just carefully. And let's just say a lot more toothpaste than I thought came out. And it went a lot more places than I than my toothbrush. <laughs> and, you know, I cleaned up and, and changed my shirt and I was frustrated, right? And frustration leads to failure, right? Mm. So the, the key is you got to convert it to curiosity. How can I do this differently? What can I do? And I'm out at guide school with a bunch of people who have sight impairment. Let me go ask one. How do you brush your teeth? And they're like, oh, it's easy. It's my toothpaste. I hold it to my lips and I squeeze it into my mouth because I can feel. And as soon as I feel enough is in my yep. mouth to stop squeezing, put the cap on, wet my toothbrush, brush my teeth. I never spill. And you know what? I, you know, I joke with the kids. I'm like, you know, so 21 years later, that's the solution I still use. And my bathroom sink is probably cleaner than most of yours. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because they're just, it's an easy solution. And the key on problem solving there is something about your podcast, right? Is that the way you solve a problem, the first step you should take is find out if it's already been solved. Because if somebody knows how to do it, that's a great place to start. And yeah, I'm all for pioneering new solutions when you need them. But why not start there? Go out and see how people are doing it. I love it, man. Are there any other um, like silly generalizations that you wish that people, you would be like, okay, just stop. Just stop. Anything, <laughs> anything else come to mind? I'm just curious. Oh, there are. So everybody believes I have superhuman hearing. And <laughs> superhuman hearing? It's right. We're all daredevil, right? Yeah. yeah. And so you can see the rain yeah, and all, that's what they think. And, you know, there are some things that we do because we're not distracted by sight. So I pay attention a lot more. Like if I asked you whether your house has made more noise in the middle of the night when it's dark, or in the middle of the day, you'd probably say, no, you hear those noises at night more. But it's not because it makes more noise. It's because without your sight, you're using your ears more, right? And I'm doing that all the time. So I hear all those little noises. But, you know, it's not like I can pick out, it's not like I can hear the sounds in the other room any more clear. I still can't hear anything my wife says when it involves a chore, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there, there are a lot of those, but I think there's, there's, there's one habit that people have and it's, it's really a simple one. It's, it's kind of universal for anybody, which is that people often want to help, which I love, but their method of helping is they think they know what you need. And so they just try to do it. And sometimes that means, you know, if I reach for something, they grab my hand and pull it towards it. And that's just awkward in life, right? When somebody suddenly grabs your hand and tries to pull you and I'm a big guy. So when I, don't want them to pull me. I don't let them, but I still don't like that. Or, you know, I'm reaching for something, somebody to pick it up and, and hand it to me, which of course means I'm still searching around and they, they're holding it up to me, which I can't see. Or <laughs> yeah. somebody will open a door, which is a great thought, except they didn't tell me. So I now walk into it, right? You know, all those things, the right answer for anybody, sighted or not, is communicate. Yeah. You know, can I do something for you? You know, I think we'd save a lot of frustrations for people if we asked people we did something for them. Yeah, that's, that's a great answer. I'm glad that you, uh, you entertained my question there. I see in the comments, people are putting some different stuff, like different things like, um, 
this this entire discussion is a breath of fresh air. Very inspiring. Craig. And, yep. Randy, I love your attitude. And you guys are just truly awesome. That's all that's great. I am curious about the the hikes though. Um or I would like to hear from both of you. And Justin, you can go first. I want you to think about some of the mistakes that were made, some of the logistical errors, anything in general that you all would change. Or it could be very specific. If if you were to say, okay, next winter, it's coming back around, and we're going to do it faster or better or whatever. Ten-year anniversary. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You could do it. You could do it next year. Oh, Justin's yeah. rubbing those hands together. He's all ready. Let's do this. Yes. Justin, what would you change about the whole thing to either make it easier or more fun or better or whatever? Um, honestly, I'm going to have to say that I hate to disappoint you, but that's an impossible question to answer because the logistics of doing that and weather-based and all that stuff, like you could, you can try and prepare and like get in better shape. I'm going to, I'm going to run. 50 miles a week every week until winter and i'm going to go and i'm going to crush those mountains in the winter and then the weather sucks for two months and there's nothing you can do about nothing it you can do. that's not going to make it more fun i'm probably actually going to be a lot more angry about it at that point so um i apologize but i really don't know how to answer that question <laughs> that's okay man <laughs> that's really fair man don't. you know better than we do good people do it with good people if you can um Obviously, I, I met him in the trip, so you don't have to know exactly what you're getting into. But I so, really don't know how to answer that question, man. I'm I'm sorry. There's there's an old uh, Chinese proverb that a man cannot cross the same river twice because neither he nor the river are the same. And mm. the reality is that I would take some things that we learned. I think we're better at the equipment from our early hikes. You know, by the time we finished, we had streamlined things. But sure. there's a key in what he said. It wouldn't be about doing it faster. It wouldn't be, right? That may fall out. But what I would mm -hmm. do is I would just say, presuming our lives allowed, and our lives are very different than they were then, but hey, let's take the good weather and let's make them work. And that's sort of what we did then, but we pushed through sometimes when it wasn't as good. We missed some opportunities. And I would just capitalize on those with the skills we had to make sure we savor those hikes again but in a different way. And, you know, maybe we throw in a few different experiences because new experiences are what make things rich. Maybe we would take a, you know, stay out on a summit somewhere in a winter camping environment because Justin's got plenty of experience there. Maybe we can put that time because the goal has been done. So no artificial pressure. Can we squeeze it in in this? If it happens, great. But let's, let's get the experiences in there because new experiences, right? Just always be open to those. That's that's what makes things good. And that's what made that winter good because going into it, for me, going into that winter, I had no idea that I was going to meet Randy, let alone embark on this adventure with him. The opportunity just kind of presented itself, and that made it that much more exciting. Um, it's kind of a funny story because when I finally committed to this, it sounds funny, but Randy and I were in the shower. <laughs> so we, we had gone hiking. We did our hike. We were back to the campground that next day, that night. And the campground had shower facilities, mm. coin-operated shower facilities. So when you winter hike in the winter, one of the best feelings in the world is taking 
the hot, hot shower afterwards. It's a yes. godsend. His stall was right next to mine, and we just were talking and showering. And I was at that very moment overwhelmed with and just it all came rushing in, and I was like, "Hell yeah, I'm on for this! Like, I am going to do everything in my power to help him make this happen." And it was at that exact moment, and it was not planned. It just happened and that's what made it so incredibly exciting it just happened that's awesome it, yeah I, I just i get goosebumps talking about it because it's one of those things it's like just like divine intervention or whatever you want to call it it's just one of those things that in my life was supposed to happen and it did and it just happened and it was an amazing thing it was an amazing thing some of the best things in your life happen and you don't know they're happening when they're happening and that's the beauty of it that's awesome you get to look well, back and see it all in oh a different yeah. perspective well we're we're just about to hit an hour so i want to ask uh, I, I know it's crazy it goes <laughs> so fast it just flies everybody says that but um what i want to do is i want to i want each of you to answer one more question for me if that's okay with you jeremiah i got one more yeah, question absolutely. i want to ask um people who are watching when this is over we do the goodbye, we play the outro music, and the, the stream goes off. What do you want people to remember about what they heard tonight from you guys? So, Randy, you're the more polished speaker, so I'll let you go first. Um, and Justin's very thankful I just did that. But, uh, <laughs> but Randy, what would you want people to get from, from what we've talked about tonight? You know, I, I love my life. I've had so many amazing experiences. We didn't even hit half of the you know high moments, which we could have gone into, but... I love my life and people say all the time, you're so lucky. And I do feel lucky, but it's not just luck. It's the fact that, right, I, I make the choice to, to take a plan, right? To take a wish, a dream, whatever it is, to make it a plan and then to take action and do it. And that's what I want people to do, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's hiking, you know, climbing your mountain, what, whatever is important to people, right? You can do it and you should do it because your life is richer when you do the things that are meaningful to you. Don't say for another day, say, I'm going to do it this day, set a plan and go do it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Justin, how about you, man? I'm going to say, do what you're passionate about, do what you like to do and let it happen. Just, just do your thing and let it happen because that winter changed my life, like straight up, like everything about my life changed that winter and it just happened. So just go out and do your thing and do what you want to do and let it happen. That's what I want everyone to take away from this. Randy has become one of my best friends. I met my future wife. We have a child, like all of that stuff. We have a ton of lands, like we're homesteaders. We're doing life is good. And that all happened just because it happened. So just do it and let it happen. That's, that's what I have to say. That's what I want people to take away. Your life that's can change incredible. just like that. Mine did. That's incredible, man. Well, I appreciate both of you guys being on here. And we're gonna have to do this again. So if you guys are cool with that, I'm 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 look, I'm, I'm sure Jeremiah's not gonna argue with me on this. There's a lot more <laughs> oh, we could have talked about tonight, I, and I want to make sure we do that at some point. So yeah, I'd love to hear some of your all's uh, wild and crazy moments and stories and the highs and lows and and all that. I think that'd be a very entertaining uh podcast for everybody, but I'd also like to hear it for myself. 
Yeah. And Randy, will you share with us how people can find you online? Let people know about your book. Uh, talk a little bit about the the video. All, all, just give people information on how they can find you and um, look up what you're into. Uh, that's kind of you. Thank you. Yeah, we have a website that'll get to all of our social media options as well. And it's it's 2020visionquest.org. That's the numbers 2020visionquest.org. Awesome. And he's Good. got a YouTube channel. I oh, really? It's true. Very cool. And the book is called See You at the Summit. That's See you at the Randy Summit. by Randy and his wife, Tracy. So they can find that. You said they can find that on Amazon. Correct. Yep. And it's linked to on our website, right? So you go there, you'll have links to all of those. And that four more feet video is on Amazon Prime. You can rent or buy on Amazon Prime. Awesome. Awesome. And it is good. Like I've, I haven't gotten to watch all of it yet. I was, there was a watch party that Justin got me hooked in on and I got to watch like half of it. I didn't get it there quick enough and I missed the first half of it, but it's so good. It's just so inspirational. And uh, so thank you so much, Justin. Why don't you let people know how they can find you too? It's good in the woods, YouTube. There it is. Simple. Yeah. Simple. It's good in the woods. Thank and you, you to this day, everybody for watching. You have, you have the coolest thumbnail ever still to this day. <laughs> Thank you. Like Thank there's, you. there's this video where it's, it's Justin and he's, he's literally trying to get out of a tent that is covered in snow. Yeah. And I mean, it's just an awesome, it's an awesome thumbnail. That one so. did well for me. Yeah, it was fantastic. Well guys, thanks so much for being on the show tonight and for uh, having us. Stay in the green room. We'll talk to you for a few minutes after we're done here. So just kind of hang out for a little bit if you don't mind. You Thanks bet. for watching, everybody. Dude, how does this happen? How do we get to talk to people like this all the time? I'm very blessed, man. man. We're so blessed. And Yo. I'm glad that we get to share it with everybody. We, You know, it, the I'm so thankful for the audience because it really enables us to get to talk to these people. So it's like a two-way street, right? If yeah. nobody's listening then i mean these people are like oh i'm just talking to these two random guys but the audience gives us a platform to get to share not only what like what we think but also all of these great stories and guests and inspiration with everybody and what's great is we give them a platform to talk about what they're passionate about we've already looked at this right here tom sipernowski just ordered already ordered the book so that's pretty awesome that's pretty awesome. So, uh, man, it's just great. Now, let, let's talk a little bit about next week and who's going to be on the show. Uh, we've got a very popular through hiker who just finished up the Arizona Trail who's going to be on the show next week. Yeah. Yeah, Julia. Julia now, Sheehan. Yeah, I always mispronounce her last name. So, <laughs> I'll let you say it. But yeah, we've been talking back and forth with Julia, and, and I'm excited to talk to her. She's got a YouTube channel, and like you said, very popular through hiker and makes great stuff. Also former military. A lot of people don't know that about her. Former military, she's she's a tough lady, and we are super excited to have her on the show next week. And uh, we're starting to work on some other stuff coming up in the future. Uh, thank you guys so much for being tuned in tonight. This has been a really special episode, I think, of, of the live stream. Yeah, super inspirational. And, like, this episode was grown, dude. This is, yeah. like, this isn't a kid. This is, like, a grown episode. Yes, it is. And what what an awesome episode it's been. So big thank you to Justin and to Randy for letting us into their world. Because, uh, 
I mean, they've experienced some amazing things together, and it's just cool that we got to share that with them tonight. That's really cool. So uh, with that said, Jeremiah, I think it's time to get out of here. Yep, let's call it a night. Thank you, everybody, right. for watching. Y'all have a good night. We'll catch you on the next one. Adios.